hello, Editor James here. Just a little note up top to let you all know that Nick and I appeared on the most recent episode of the uh, Futurama podcast, Shut Up and Take My Podcast. It is another local Adelaide podcast. It's on the Alotta Green Network. We are on episode 100. We talk about the Simpsons Futurama crossover episode from season 26, I think it was. Did we enjoy it? (laughs) Well, I think you can probably guess. Go and check it out, though. It's a good fun episode of a thing that we were on and uh yeah i've had a long day at work i don't really want to be doing this promo i'm gonna stop it right now uh enjoy the rest of your day or night or whatever time you're listening to this uh bye Fifty-eight of pods in the key of Springfield. <laughs> you held for so long there. I just you enjoy- had such a specific pattern in mind. I just enjoy seeing how you react. We today, tonight, tomorrow. We are looking at season five. Yesterday, episode- love was such an easy word to say. <laughs> and my trouble seems so far away, but now I'm podcasting today, baby. Um, season 5, episode 19, The Boy Who Knew Too Much. The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Season 5, episode 20, Lady Bouvier's Mr. Lover Lover. Yes, exactly. The sure. Boy Who Knew Too Much, based on the 1956 drama slash mystery, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, which neither of us have seen. Oh, uh, I've actually seen a bit of that. Seems un- I don't believe you. <laughs> Well, maybe no, yeah. I think you, unless uh, you're not thinking of the Bill Murray film, The Man Who Knew Too Little, are you? The one that no, I've seen. The The Man Who Knew Too Much is like, isn't that a, um, a little, 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 it's not a Hitchcock, is it? But it's of that era. Yeah, 1956. Yeah, uh, my parents. Ten and, years before Revolver came out. I see. Yeah. My parents and sister used to watch that quite a bit. If memory serves, the movie starts with like a a magician whose trick is remembering things. <laughs> He's like the memory man. <laughs> wow, that's a dull trick. I know. He just has an iPhone in his pocket. He just pulls it out and looks yeah, things up. totally. Um, so the couch gag in this, we don't often do couch gags, but I'm doing the couch gag in this one because it starts with them sitting on the couch of one David Letterman. David Letterman. And I've been meaning to tell you, I've actually... Um, yeah, yeah, you, you can come in now. This, this is going to be a bit... So I've actually... I've had a call from someone who wants to come on the pod. This is... Um, this is... David Lettuce Man. <laughs> oh my god. You see, the iceberg <laughs> is a nice crispy lettuce if you want some crunch. Wait a minute, I'm I'm seeing some seams around the neck. Is that a mask? Let me reach over and pull it off. Ah, oh, it's just pull that pumpkins. I'm here to talk about on-dive cousin gem! Oh my god. <laughs> David Lettuce Man. <laughs> I've always Disliked I, the phrase uh, Letterman jacket From the moment <laughs> You know that thing That people have In like high school In America Yeah The Letterman jacket The class yeah. ring What's going on In American high schools I have no idea But isn't that Freshman Senior All this terminology I can't deal with it Just call them all students And call the things That they wear clothes Yeah um, It's a uniform bro Isn't the Letterman jacket Like Prior to being the Letterman jacket, wasn't it the Varsity jacket? Isn't that what that style of jacket is called? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I can't deal with that. Don't like it. 
I'm annoyed by these terms. The moment that you did the big sigh after I came out of the Dave Lettisman bit, I honestly thought you were going to go, <sighs> and then just get up and walk away from the table. I really just thought you were going to do a David Letterman impression. Instead, you did this whole thing about, like, Romaine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you voted R- Romaine in the uh, the poll. Oh, I thought you were going to make a joke about Romaine Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went with a Brexit joke. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but why would you eat lettuce for Brexit? Ooh, good question. I mean, breakfast. Yes. Well, uh, so this is an episode of The Simpsons, of course. <laughs> yes. Which our podcast is about. Yes. Um, and it opens with the kids being loaded onto a prison bus where Otto says he's got a bit of a shining thing. Quick question. Yes. You know how there are like laws about that there's a requirement that advertising has to be truthful? Sure. Are we still allowed to say that our podcast is about <laughs> The Simpsons? <laughs> Well, I can say, well, it's nominally about the Simpsons. Nominally. Yes. Uh, which means by name only, which actually kind of suits. So Otto says he's got a shining thing going with the bus. Does that mean that he is planning to kill Scatman Carruthers? Scatman Carruthers? Yeah. Um, I think it means that he is going to use the bus yes. to make a film with a very obvious ending that people find hidden ambiguity in. <sighs> You piece of shit. Why would you do this to me? Uh, tell me how this relates to Sucker Punch now. Oh, well, it's actually surprisingly similar. I've, no, I've told you how it relates to Sucker Punch. We, yeah, went, we went through that in the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm well aware. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of The Shining. You want to know how, how um, Otto relates to Sucker Punch? Yes. Well, I think one of the characters in Sucker Punch is actually called Otto. Are you sure about that? I'm quite Is sure. it John Hamm's character? I didn't know John Hamm was in the movie. He plays a doctor, I believe. I haven't seen Sucker Punch, but I feel like that's right. Um, I've got someone who um, I'd like to to introduce you to. This is John Hams. Well, you've got Black Forest Ham. You've got Honey Ham. You've got Virginian Ham. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping. Leg I, was ham. Ho- I was hoping he'd bring this character out, and Fuck. it somehow wouldn't be about ham. It would be like John Clams or something. Oh, yeah. But I, oh, okay, okay. John Clams. You've got Vongole. You've got Razorback. Ah, you got so excited because you knew two different kinds of clam. <laughs> Look, which is all you need for the joke. It's all I needed for the joke. <laughs> Technically, I could have done. A, I should have done a rule of three. Sure, but I don't know that I. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure I know a third. Um, boys love clams. <laughs> boys love clamdy. Clum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, no more of that. No. So we get into the school and the kids have been given these uh, new chairs that injure their spines. Yeah, that's good. I find the implication that Milhouse has lost all feeling in the left side of his body and seems to have had a stroke mm. legitimately kind of upsetting. It like, is... he's really floppy. It is. <laughs> he's really floppy. It's a bit distressing. I do give you that. Um, but I remember, because I reckon it was right around the time when you and I were in primary school, where they transitioned away from the steel tubing, the the circular steel tubing legs, yeah. to those plastic legs that were on such a raked angle that you couldn't lean back on your chair. That's true. Um, which was, which was, you know, and the th- something I find astonishing about that, and this is slightly hacky material, I suppose, but it's, I'm not running material because I'm just talking to my friend. That's you. Yeah. Um, I'm James, by the way. Uh, coffee, That's the coffee machine. Co- coffee machine's and coming you're in. Nick. 
I don't like to talk over the coffee machine. No, um, coffee it, machine deserves to have his voice heard. It'd be rude. Oh, by the way, I've decided to name it Tom because someone pointed out Tom DeLonghi. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because the brand is DeLonghi. Um, That's so great, Tom DeLonghi. Um, where the fuck was I saying? Oh, uh, isn't that astonishing? How many parents, grandparents, and teachers know someone who fell backwards off their chair, hit the head on the back of the desk behind them, and then had irreparable brain damage? Isn't that astonishing that literally everyone knows four or five people to whom this has happened? They all know the same four or five people. Ah. They all read the same issue of uh, Concussions Weekly. Oh, what a game. I don't know if there's enough concussions happening every week for... Well, I guess if you look at the NFL. I don't want to get too political here, but, you know, concussions are a thing that happens. I mean, not just in the NFL. It's happened. Concussions happen. I was talking to an amateur footballer the other day who played for, you know, his country league. Sure. And he had 24 concussions. 24? In his playing career. That's too many, man. You shouldn't have 24 concussions. I'm not sure he's got anything left that isn't mush. Yeah, I think it's all mush. Well, that's upsetting. Yeah. I've had no concussions as far as I know, and it's still, you know, I still feel like an idiot. Oh, I just spilt water all over my pants. Oh, all over your dick. Oh, I've got damp pants. <laughs> i got a damp dick. <laughs> it's so dick. <laughs> it's so dick. <laughs> so, but, little buddy boy... Uh, you know, the Dennis the Menace of the Simpsons world. Sure, 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 sure. He skips out of school. He what? gets the fuck out of there. That doesn't seem in character with the Bart that I've come to know and love. I know, that, you know, that... Uh, rambunctious? Rambunctious, yep. Is that the what word the... you were searching for? No, I was looking for something else. Rapscallion. Uh, irascible. That's the one I was looking for. Irascible. Irascible. Will not be rast. Yeah, can't be rast. That's good. Can't rein in that rast. That, so... that irradiated... Yeah, so, so he gets the fuck out of school, and Skinner and Willie interrogate Lisa in a scene that I think is adorable. Lisa is extremely childish, and it's fun. It is fun. It's nice when children get to be children. Um, Isn't that really what it's all about, Nick? I guess so. What are you yelling at me for? Um, <laughs> James, why are you crying? <laughs> um, I was trying to think, is that is 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 that an accurate depiction of Lisa as an eight-year-old? Because I think they play it younger than eight. I, I don't know, like, the fact that she recognises the good cop, bad cop routine yes. is advanced for an eight-year-old. Also, we slightly skipped over, how does Bart know Huckleberry Finn? I feel like Bart would not have absorbed the Huckleberry Finn literature. Yeah, by and he time. knows who Abraham Lincoln is. And he knows who Abraham Lincoln is. I couldn't tell you who the Prime Minister was in 1892. Could you? Of Prime Minister of Australia? Yes. In 1892? Yes. We didn't have one, because Federation didn't happen until 1901. Well, there we and go. The first, pres- the first Prime Minister was Edmund Barton. Well, there we go. <laughs> well, there were no V-Day heroes in 1973. <laughs> K-San. <laughs> yeah. How there were no V-Day dun, heroes in 1973. I had to learn how to play K-San on bass a while ago. It's a really fun bass line. Did you have to sell your soul with your cigarettes to a black market man to learn the chords? Uh, no, I just looked up a tab on ultimateguitar.com. Ultimateguitar.com. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that sounds easier. Um, uh, so, Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. Huck Finn. Yes. Chuck Finn. Have we talked about Chuck Finn before? No. The, the, the South Australian-based TV series from the late 90s, early 2000s that we went to school with one of the stars of. 
Oh, that's right. We did, didn't we? Johnny Nicolaitis. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, from, a, that's some niche content. <laughs> that is some niche content. No, I don't think we've talked about uh, that at all. all. I'm not sure that we need to. What's he up to these days? I, I don't know. I was is in, he a working actor? I hope he in, is. I hope I, he's doing okay. Yeah, I hope he's doing okay too. Yeah. Um, I don't have him on Facebook. Uh, let's just have a quick scan for YouTube to see if there's any Chuck Finn. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good for the list. Oh man, there are entire episodes. So oh, wow. Chuck and then Finn with a double N. Okay, well, uh, maybe this is something we should just tell people to search for themselves if they want to see it. Especially since... Uh... Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is going to make for good podcast content. This Nick. is um, this is extremely nice. Oh, he got visuals. a with credit. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the main five characters. But still, a with credit. That's like you, you have to like negotiate a with credit. Oh, do you? A with or an end? Oh, that was him just there. Yeah. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Down by the river. You're trying to show me an image of him. Yeah. Is that what he looked like? That's what he looked uh, like. Oh yeah, that's right. He played like sort of like a pipsqueaky sort of character. Yeah, yeah. He was like a little Harry Potter, Harry Pipsqueak, Pippy, Pippy, Pippy Longstocking. Yeah. Coming into Harry your Potter, world. Potter, Potty, Pipsqueak, Pippy, Pippy Longstocking was the character's name. Yeah. Uh, coming into your world, a freckle-faced redhead girl to throw your life into a world. What? Oh, 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 Pippy Longstocking. Oh. Now Bart goes to see a movie in this episode of The Simpsons called Boobarama. What do you think that movie would have been about? Let's try to workshop Boobarama. Boobarama? Boobarama. Uh, okay, would it have been about the the bird called the boob? Yeah, I'm thinking it might be some sort of like comedy remake of Hitchcock's The Birds. A, a comedy remake? Oh, yeah. so instead of someone getting suffocated to death by a flock of birds, they get suffocated to death by a flock of boobs. Jaco, you are filthy. Does any, filthy. Does anyone get suffocated in the movie The Birds? I've never seen The Birds. Of course you haven't. I've seen the ending of The Birds. The ones at the bottom. <laughs> the ending's really good. Just a bunch of people running around like, oh, these birds can't be dealing. Too many birds, in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, is, is, is the birds... We don't have to watch that, do we? Probably not. Good. I think uh, in terms of Hitchcock, probably we'll watch Rear Window before we watch... Oh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen... I've, I've been on in the same room as Rear Window. <laughs> You keep telling me that you've figured out what we're watching for the next movie, but you won't tell me what it is. So no, I can only speculate. No, it's going to be, be some Muppet bullshit. It's going to be some Muppet <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for some Muppet bullshit. <laughs> You're just going to make me watch Frozen, aren't you? What's the for... Uh, hey, do not put Frozen and some Muppet bullshit in the same category. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, what is the 4-H club? Good question. It's one I... of the places that Skinner goes to when he's trying to reconnect with the youth being Bart. Yeah. Uh, the 4-H club. What do you think the 4-H's stand for? Oh, I... Okay, so I I actually have just looked up the answer, but I'm not going to look at it yet. Oh, so let's is see. there actually a thing? Yeah, 4-H. Uh, so let's see. Okay. What would the yep. 4-H club 4-H be? 4-H's be. Well, the important... Uh, happiness. That's an important H. That's a very important H. Uh, hippopotamus. Okay. That's a good H. Uh, it wouldn't have made my top four, but... I, okay. Uh, uh, the yep. Hippocratic Oath. The, okay. Do no harm. Yep, that's yep. good. Yep. That's good. First, do no harm. And then harm. It's the fourth. Ooh. So it's a contradiction. It's about the inherent contradictions of life, is I that, think. Is that because you can't have fun without tension? Yeah. Is that, is that true? It's like the it's like made... Fortuna's wheel in uh, Boethius as the constellation of philosophy, you know, the wheel. idea that the when the wheel is spinning you can only truly know happiness if you have understood and experienced sadness as well, you know, like happiness and sadness are on the same wheel and 
to you know you experience both in a lifetime and you know the only way you can recognize what it is to be happy is if you also know what it is to be sad i thought happiness was a warm gun mama oh that's right yeah sorry um yeah what are you talking about wheel of fortune for <laughs> yeah yeah, wouldn't, it be amazing, right. <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing if Wheel of Fortune, the concept started off as someone talking about Fortuna's wheel or whatever the fuck you were just talking about, and then it got watered down and watered down, and the executives came in and they watered it down. Now you've got to make it more, you've got to make it more mass market, more mass market, and then it became a game of solving puzzles while winning money. I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to actually try to solve this puzzle, Nick. It is uh, happiness is a harm gun. <laughs> fuck. Hi. I'm John Harm. Now you've got bullet wounds, you've got stab wounds, you've got mental trauma. John Harm. So what do you think the four H's are? I've got them on my screen right now. Okay, um, I'm going to say healing. Sure. What what spheres are they in? It's They're silly, just they're, they're four things. Four things. Okay, Ham. <laughs> John Ham, yep. No. Ham. Okay. Um, and also helicopters. Ham helicopters. Well, not ham helicopters. <laughs> ham. Comma. Yeah, hamicopters. Uh, 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 hedonism. Okay, cool. And uh, uh, Helios, the Greek god of the sun. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Okay, how'd I go? Okay, so you got zero for four. That's okay. Okay. So the first one is head. As in... The cranium. <laughs> yes. The cranial sphere. <laughs> what an unnecessary distinction. Uh, number two is heart. Oh, Christ. Okay, so this is some... Do what, do is the next one going to be do hip? Do hip and close. Hip and hand. Hand is one of them. Okay. <laughs> Hands. And what's the fourth one? Hose. The fourth one breaks the breaks it a little bit. It's like, what's a unifying theme? That, Human. No. Oh. Health. Health. Yes. And head, Heath Ledger. Head, heart, hands, health. Yeah, that's what the 4H Club is. It looks, it's a youth organization. I just had the page open. Show open here. A US-based network of youth organizations whose mission is engaging youth to reach their fullest potential while advancing the field of youth development. Does each... So I assume... Formed in 1902. Oh, I assume... Oh, a year after Australia uh, obtained federation status. Um... <laughs> Is that going to be the new Revolver was released in 1966? Well, it was a full 64 years before that. That was a full 64 years. Um, when I'm 64. Uh, this episode's going to go for nine hours. <laughs> I can tell it. I can tell it already. Shit. Um, um, uh, fuck. What was I going to say? Oh, so the people in the head, heart, hand, health organization. Yeah, the 4H Club. If you choose heart... Does that mean you get a monkey? Like, yeah. the, like the kid in Captain Planet? <laughs> yeah. And then if you pick wind, fire, water, and where earth? If you pick fire, you are rad because you have your shirt half untucked from your blue jeans. If you pick wind, you are Russian and say a word that I've always wanted to know what it is. Das Vidanya. Is that what she says? No, I don't know. Oh, that was convincing though. Um, <clears throat> Man, do. Uh, Earth was the... I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember Earth or water. It's probably fine. It's probably fine. But when our powers combine, we are the 4-H club. <laughs> Great. We get, a, we get a meme in this scene. A scene that has become a meme of Skin Dog standing at the 4-H club and saying, No, it's the children who are wrong. Yes. What do you think of this meme? Um, I think it... 
I can go either way on this one. Yeah. Sometimes this meme is used for um, uh, people younger than me are doing an entirely valid thing. I want to find a way to invalidate it. And sometimes it's used for like pleasant levels of self-effacingness of people going, well, I'm not up with the trend. I feel like it's usually aimed at the Australian Liberal Party, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's true. It is used to skewer them quite a bit. Just, you know, Chris Pine doesn't understand what the fuck he's doing. Uh, Scott Morrison, that cunt has broken his hip, you know, (laughs) something like that. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, Man, the photoshopping on his shoes were terrible. Ah, fuck, I remember that. Yeah, right. Christopher Vine stood down yesterday, didn't he? I think so. They're just fucking hemorrhaging people. Mm. Which is what we want. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what this note was in relation to. What does it say? Bridge cut, laugh, knees bent, Japanese. <laughs> okay, uh, some of that makes sense. Oh, the when, bridge cut is when they, you know... When Bart cuts the bridge when he's and getting chased away. by Skinner. He laughs... When they enter Endgame. Yes. Bart laughs maniacally, and his knees bend down and in, in what I can only describe as like a Japanese schoolgirl pose, like an anime <laughs> okay. anime manga... I this like, is going to be another one of your notes about the Japanese flag. <laughs> No, no, it's not a cloud. The rising sun flag. It's not a cloud formation. Um, it's reserved for cloud formations. But yeah, he d- he does that a, a very like cutesy manga knees bent, sure, legs splayed out, well, feet splayed out with knees bent in the middle. Yeah, I don't know. it was weird. It's not very bad. There's some nice little bad animations in here. I like the I like when he goes to that auction and he you know gets up and he's laughing mischievously. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, having my auction. I really the scene where Skinner is. Chasing Bart Terminator style, just very slowly walking. Oh, Terminator. I really love this sequence. Partly because it looks great, but like the the audio, the music in this scene fucking rolls. It's yeah, so good. That was good. And that scene where he walks into the water and the music cuts out and he rises back out. That scene fucks like something that fucks a lot. So fucks a lot, I guess. I like big fucks and I cannot lie. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, question. Do we believe that... Skinner walked through a stream without breaking pace, and that then Bart and Skinner climbed a bare cliff face. Or is Bart being a very unreliable narrator? Oh, you think this is from Bart's perspective? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe... You're thinking this is all part of the death dream that we established we entered into very early in the series? I think it could be, because climbing a bare cliff face with no previous... Um, uh, experience or equipment yeah. is, I imagine, I haven't done this personally, I imagine, quite tough. Well, I don't know, I've played uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, seems pretty easy. Actually, you just build know, up your stats by completing the uh, those little temples around the place. In the un- shrines. In Uncharted it's even easier. You whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just hold the left stick up. Yeah. And you just climb. It's so actually maybe, even easier than that in Breath of the Wild. Maybe, it's fucking great, you can climb any surface. Yeah, but didn't you say you have to build up your stats? You don't have to build up your stats in Uncharted. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, but you have to grab specific ledges. You can't just climb any surface. Well, if you don't grab the right ledger, how are you going to know whether or not you've done your accounts properly? That's a good question. Mm. Mm. If my accountant is listening, I am well aware that I need to come and see you at some point soon. Yes. Yes. Because your accountant is uh, gravely ill. Yes. <laughs> Sure. I mean, wouldn't that be bad if that's actually what I was trying to say? Oh, I mean, I'd be sad. So we get uh, we get old uh, Freddie Quimby here. Freddie? He, he goes into his own birthday party, picks up a football, 
Slams into a punch ball and says, Attention everyone, the punch has been spiked. Gotta say, pretty good joke. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd laugh at that joke. And everyone seems kind of aghast. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty funny though. Yeah. Um, pretty good for an 18-year-old, like quick wet. Yeah, because he, he didn't know the football was going to be there. It wasn't playing, no. it was just there. I'm trying to think, what what could I... Because I wouldn't have an American football and the reference wouldn't fly here. So what... Ah, oh, fuck. What yeah, joke volleyball would, I, would be the same. Oh, yeah. If I slammed a volleyball down into it, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. At your 18th, which is coming up soon. (laughs) I think that might be my only option. This got me thinking, though. This whole thing with Freddie Quimby. Obviously, the Quimbys are meant to be the Kennedys, right? Yes. So why is it that we only ever really get Diamond Joe Quimby? When, you know, part of the thing with the Kennedys is it's like this big political family... That all this shit happened to, and like, you know, they were involved in a lot of stuff. There's that Chappaquiddick thing that I don't know anything about, but can name check, and you know, all the other stuff they have with the Kennedys, all those Kennedys who got assassinated. Why do we only get one Quimby? I believe. We get the second one here, and we get the familial link, but then it's kind of dropped from the rest of the series. I believe Chappaquiddick was the name of an estate where a plane crashed into the ocean. Yeah. And they drowned. I think that's what Chappaquiddick is. Yeah. Um, I think we don't get them because in this episode, they set up Freddie Quimby as too much of a one-dimensional fuck. <laughs> um, and even though Diamond Joe is pretty one-dimensional in his own way, uh, I think that's why we don't get to see more of Fred Dog. Fred Dog? Question about the... <laughs> what the hell happened to my Fred Dog? What the hell happened to my... Why did he disappear? What the hell happened to my Fred Dog? Um, what are you oh, sketching there? Something I've never really liked in this sure. is um, when... Uh, Quimby turns around to see Bart and he's like, who are you, little boy? A question I've been asking for some time. <laughs> um, and then Bart says, oh, I'm a nephew you don't see very often. Uh, Bart, Bart. That's such a shit... Like... <laughs> That's a mad growling sort of line. Why didn't they... <laughs> why didn't they actually put a joke there? Because <laughs> I, I don't register Bart, Bart as a joke. It's just... It's nothing to me. It is strange. Mm. It's a strange little thing. Yes. Yeah, that is weird. I've never really thought about it. It's one of those jokes I just listen to. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a joke. Sure. Yeah. I mean, sure. It's got, I mean, it's got the rhythm of a joke. The rhythm of a joke. All right. Oh yeah. This a punchline the... and a joke. A setup and a punch. <laughs> punchline. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> a rhythm of a joke. Ah, so we get the chowder scene, and this now this scene is always intrinsically tied to me to this uh, Facebook group that I've joined. I believe I've mentioned on here before, Simpsons Peaks, where people post uh, yes Simpsons Twin Peaks crossover memes. Yes, and I joined it to post one purely of uh, Freddie Quimby saying "Jow day, Jow day." It's Judy. Say it right. No, oh, that's good. Which somebody had already posted, and oh. a new person posted the other day. Huh. People post like, "This is the best. This is really funny." I thought I'm not going to tell him that I'd already done it, and mm. someone had done it before me. Mm. Interesting. Like the first person who did it even replaced Freddie Quimby's face with uh, David Bowie. Oh, I see. To really, you know, really hit, hit to, it home. To really tell the point. Yes. Um, my question is sneaky peeks. Uh, well, sorry, my my. <laughs> are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. My thing about this scene, which again, didn't realise until watching the pen and paper today. Yeah. Um, uh, Freddie 
appears to know what it is. Shaudere. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, watch this. And then as soon as the guy says Shaudere, he goes, oh, cool. I have the exact reference for this thing. I know what it is. <laughs> Which, it seems to me to be an odd thing to not recognize. Yeah. Like, if, so, if I was at a fancy dinner party and someone put a bowl of stew in front of me, and I was like, oh... He might say this word differently from me. Hey, watch this. Stew. It's stew. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. I know what it is. He knows like what it is. Like 18 year olds aren't, aren't uh, well versed on chowder either. I suppose in my so. experience. But then, I mean, I, I, I didn't guess, chow down much when I was 18. I guess my point is if you are that het up in your politics around the pronunciation of it, surely you would be able to recognize it. Yeah, you would think so. You'd think so. But he's just an angry young man. Before we get into, obviously, Bart witnesses a crime, blah, blah, blah. Before we get into, like, the trial, which I think is going to be interesting to talk about. Bit I've, of a, bit I've of a, actually bit, got nothing on the trial. Bit of a plot thing here that confuses me. And I know it's purely convenience because if they did this, you know, it wouldn't exist. It's like that whole thing about yeah. why didn't they just shoot the horses in stagecoach or whatever it is. Uh, don't worry about it. Someone will make sense of that. But uh, why does Skinner... Not simply ask Homer and Marge whether Bart had a dental appointment. I mean, Marge has meant oh, to yeah. sign this letter, and Skinner spends a lot of this episode with Homer. Mm. We never get a scene of Skinner. Mm. It's never explained why he doesn't just do that. And I know the reason he doesn't do it is because then the episode wouldn't work. That's a really good point. But you, I still wonder. Mm. Yeah, because the least they could have done was just cross that off. Yeah. In some way or another. Even if it's just asking Homer and then Homer shrugs and he's like, I don't know. Well, you know, he rings the house and Bart picks up and just impersonates Marge. There we go. See? Oh! (laughs) Exactly. I'm Marge. No. He'd say, Skinner would say, I want to know if Bart has a dental appointment. See? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) D-E. Brilliant. How clear cut... Do you think the case here is? If we look at this, uh, if we look at this clumsy Clouseau-esque waiter, surely he wouldn't have any physical signs of distress on his body, would he? Like, it's you know, obviously he's been hurt quite a bit, but there wouldn't be any like finger marks left on him or anything, or any signs of like being pushed. Um, yeah, I don't know, because he he does have quite a lot happened to him i guess it depends on you know how extensive the medical sort of examination yeah. was the other thing that is not entirely clear is um it they they set it up as a criminal trial because the punishment is jail yeah but it looks an awful lot like a civil trial because it's two sets of lawyers against each other as opposed mm. to the state versus the <laughs> defendant sure um, so, cause I went back at some point I was like, oh wait, is the waiter just suing this guy so that he can get for, like suing this guy for the damages in a civil case? Cause that completely changes the threshold of the burden of proof. It becomes mm. balance of probabilities as opposed to beyond reasonable doubt. Sure. Um, but it definitely is a criminal thing. So I don't really know what the hell's going on with this trial. And then the whole thing ends up resting eventually on Bart's testimony, which seems... I don't know, like, it's a, it seems like a fairly spurious sort of piece of testimony. Uh, yeah, I guess the thing is, if you've got... So, if, if it's he said, she said, mm. and then you have an eyewitness who is convincing, um, 
Which I think it's interesting if you, if we were to take they this it as a ten year old boy, yeah, ten year old, yeah, that's true. And there are there are tests about whether or not children can give evidence, and the judge has to be convinced that they know the um, responsibility to tell the truth and things like that. Uh, but then there are also things like I actually think that the case would not have been decided if the waiter hadn't clumsily fallen out of the building. I think that actually takes a lot of that carries a lot of weight. Uh, in showing his clumsiness and because it, it um, ends up supporting the testimony that Bart gives. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a s- very delicate, thin wire upon which they are walking for this trial to make any degree of sense. Have you noticed that the defence attorney has the same voice as Burns' lawyer mm. but as a different character model? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was strange. Mm. Is this some sort of crossover dimension thing? Some sort of torpor activity? Some kind of egg flip omelette universe? Some sort of egg flip omelette thing? Maybe. I mean, I have had theories previously about how there are re- uh, there are characters that appear in different bodies. Mm. Like, you know... Um, uh, oh, my God. What were they all? Krabopel and the special ed teacher? Sure. Mem saying but no, it's Rabbi has memo. Burns and someone else that runs a business. Oh no, it's Burns and the the careers counselor. Sure, yes. So characters in that one specific episode. Yes, yes. It might, in fact, be the case that this lawyer character has also appeared in the universe as a different lawyer character. That is strange. What a world. A lot of my notes here are actually just about Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, when Bart's imagining the future where he's working in the cafeteria, I've got more cream corn. Garmin Bozier? Garmin Bozier is creamed corn that represents pain and suffering. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot, of cream, corn, a lot of cream corn represents pain and suffering. Yeah, well, you're right there with David Lynch then. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk about 3D objects being projected onto a 2D plane as a concept of reality. <laughs> You're talking about the giant rice crispy. You got long. annoyed at it being referred to as a square instead of a cube. It's clearly a cube. But then I then I decided you have 30 minutes to move your cube. That, <laughs> is it about my cube? <laughs> but then I decided that maybe in the Simpsons universe they don't have a third dimension. Rather, they see 3D objects projected onto a 2D reality. Ooh, interesting. Um, which I think is. Uh, was Stephen Hawking's most recent theory on our reality that we were 3D objects projected onto a 2D reality but I don't really know enough about that well is that why when Homer visits the third dimension in that Treehouse of Horror episode it's a very you know it's a different experience for him he's got a exactly if they took the 3D if they took the Rice Krispie square I'm doing square I'm doing scare quotes around that square square into the third dimension they would in fact see it as a cube which is how we see it because it's drawn isometrically how we understand geometric shapes geode yes exactly kaboom Skinner being on the jury is a strange narrative convenience yeah Skinner and Homer both being on there both being on that their jury yeah that's a weird little thing it is a weird little thing there's a lot of weird little things in this episode and in the Simpsons at large sure yeah. I really like the mechanical scene in here where little Billy gets dead, slit from ear to ear. Mm. And I wonder why McGonagall doesn't really return to The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, it, he popped up in a daytime movie, but he could it could become a series of re- recurring daytime movie motifs, if I you will. I feel like we get two McGonagall scenes in the entire run of the show, maybe. Because mm. we get the early one where he's like a detective who solves crimes in his spare time, and then we get this one, mm. and yeah, I like oh, McGonagall. Very clearly modelled on Clint Eastwood, mm. your boy. My, uh, sh- I know how big of a fan you are of Sully. 
Sure. Did you see Sully? What? It's the oh, movie about the Sullenberger. Isn't that Tom Hanks? Yeah. Oh. It, aren't Tom Hanks and Clint Eastwood different people? <laughs> yes. Okay. But Clint Eastwood directed it. Oh, He's a director. Sh- yeah, okay. No, I've not seen uh, the movie about the big blue one from Monsters, Inc. Are you, are you aware of this film that Clint Eastwood made about like that um, that terrorist attack on the, the trains in Paris a few years back? No. The 1537 to Paris, I think it's called. Right. Okay, so he made this film about a real terrorist incident that happened in real life. And these three people who were on the train and, like, thwarted it. Mm. And you know who he cast as the three people? All three of them are Tom Hanks. No. Oh. It's crazier than that. Uh, the real people that thwarted it? Yes. Fuck. None of whom were actors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Question. So he just made a film about a terrorist attack that was thwarted and cast the actual people who thwarted it who were not actors. Question. And apparently it is very bad. <laughs> Did... They know? Or were all three of them on the train again? And he just <laughs> staged another terrorist attack, but this one had more cameras. <laughs> Is that Clint Eastwood over there filming with yeah. his phone? And then they all went... Don't worry about it. And they all went, oh, this feels very fucking familiar. All right, back into action for us. Because Here we go again. <laughs> because knowing, knowing how fucked the entirety of Hollywood and all those who, who dwell in it sure. are... Um, uh, you know, uh, Last Tango in Paris comes to mind. Oh fuck! Um, it it wouldn't surprise me to hear that Hollywood staged a terrorist incident to trick people into being in a movie. You know what, Nick? This is a little naughty of me, but sometimes I like to call it Holly Weird. What? I know it's a little too much. It's very strange. Yeah, I know. Um, do I have anything else to say about this? There's a scene so. in this where Marge makes references to her uncle Arthur who was obviously suffering from a mental illness that made him hear voices yep. and one day went on a killing spree. Yep. And that's a strange little thing. I really I like the idea of Marge being, uh, you know, suppressing a lot of stuff, having like, you know, being super oppressed and su- suppressing sure. stuff from her past and needing to deal with that. Um, that's a good little character beat is it and a the, weird scene. Is and I it, like it. Is it the same Uncle Arthur that's in Baba? I don't know, maybe. Because you know, there's that bit in the theme song where it's and then there's a voice going, Uncle Arthur. I feel like we've established already in this podcast that you remember Barbara a lot better than I do. It's a weird ongoing bet. It is. So, just getting through the rest of this episode, obviously. But eventually testifies. This episode felt short to me, by the way. I don't know. I feel like it wrapped up very quickly. But mm. but testifies, and then Skin Dog says, "Ah, oh, but I'm Skin Dog, and I appreciate that you did that, even though it cost you your freedom, baby." And it gives him four months detention. My question is, what does four months of detention actually entail? Does that mean that you are staying at school? After the end of school, every day for four months, or is that a weekend thing? I feel like it's until five o'clock or five thirty every day after school. Hmm. Which, frankly, is a really irritating message because at the end of the day, Bart stood up and did the right thing. Yeah. And the moral is, well, you'll still get punished. And I suppose he also did the wrong thing, but I also think four months for missing one day of school is. Vastly disproportionate. Yeah, vast. 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 Do you ever get detention at school? 
Yeah, once, and I'm not going into the circumstances of it. <laughs> okay. I got given attention once for not finishing my maths homework, and not even doing it at all. Right. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> not finishing and not doing a such different things on the scale. <laughs> and I didn't go to it and faced no repercussions. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Huh. Well, I saw I saw him write up the list of students who were meant to have detention. I just sort of like was watching him at the computer. I'm like, I don't think he put my name in, so I'm just not going to go. Yeah, fair enough. Season five, are we ready? Yes. Episode 20, Lady Bouvier's Lover. Lady Bouvier's Lover. Well, I assume we're going to try to do the impressions of Lady Bouvier. Um, hey. <laughs> B-O-V-I. Um... I good. See, I had the entirely wrong idea about this episode because I was trying to remember it. And when I said, Jaikal, what are we watching today? And you said this one. Yeah. I thought it was the one in which um, Marge's mum was working as a geologist and she picked up some liquid hot magma from a volcanic explosion. Sure. I thought it was Lady, Lady Bouvier's lava. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, it was Boy, actually. Yeah. Was I wrong? Personally, I was thinking it was that one where she's examining insect colonies and she finds a whole host of you know <laughs> incubating yes. insects I see. and takes them all home and eventually you know they grow into something awful that she couldn't have possibly comprehended mm. and they take her over her body and control her in a sort of venom like situation lady bouvier's larvae of course larvae. Yes, yeah. yes 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 okay um that's interesting because i actually thought it was going to be about um a a latin no, not Aladdin. I thought it was going to be about a, a, a sound option on a pipe organ. I thought it was going to be Lady Bouvier's clavichord. I'm really running out of things that sound like lover. To be honest, I kind of thought it was going to be about her making a bunch of entertaining cardboard creations with the help of Nintendo. It was going to be Lady Bouvier's labo. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what about... Fuck, have I got this name right? I don't think I do. I thought it was going to be about the one where she sings This Is America, but oh, yeah. in her non-stage name. That's not Danny Glover, is it? That's uh, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Lady Bouvier's Donald Glover. <laughs> well, I thought it might be that one where she makes what I think might be like is either an Argentinian or like a Ethiopian bread or something. Uh, Lady Bouvier's lab. <laughs> Google that. A uh, uh, type of lamb meat salad. <laughs> okay, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not the type of bread you're thinking. Were you thinking of lavash? No. <laughs> okay. Just checking. This. Is America. Well, uh, actually, this is instead, it's the one about uh, Jacqueline Bouvier suffering from alcoholism and, you know, the effects it has on later life uh, development. Lady Bouvier's liver. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, 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 of course. So, in this episode, we're looking at Lady Bouvier's alcoholism and the effects it has on her in later life. Yeah. Also known as Lady Bouvier's lover. Solidly trained monkeys. Yeah, they kill Mel. Yeah, they, well, I mean, that's not what I thought the center point of their training was. I thought the, the fact that they're playing an orchestral tune on kazoos in time is pretty solid. It's weird that it opens with such a Mel complaining that this is humiliating to him or degrading. He's like, it's pretty cool to be able to train monkeys to perform a, an orchestra like right? that. Yeah. And it's not like... It's not like the rest of what Mel does is particularly highbrow. We have no evidence that he is a philharmonic conductor in any other sense. Exactly. This could be his one opportunity. He only gets one shot. Yeah. Do not miss your chance, chance to conduct. Because opportunity comes once in a lifetime, in my experience. In your experience. Yeah. Early on, uh, we find out it's Maggie's birthday. 
And this is a this is a weird little turning point where you realize like each of the children can only have one episode in which it's their birthday because <laughs> they're not allowed to age. So this is the last one. Yes. So we get you know it's Maggie's birthday, and uh, Homer starts to ruin the birthday cake, and Marge says, "I made a special cake for you to ruin." This is a powerful joke about what it is to be a weak person. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. It really, like, it's one of those things I saw it and I was like, oh, isn't that the dream? <laughs> Having someone who will compensate for your weaknesses that much. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> then I wouldn't have to improve. It's kind of terrifying at the same time, isn't it? Like, the idea of being that much of a burden on someone, <laughs> that they have to make a second cake because they have anticipated your own weakness and your own inability to stop yourself from destroying your daughter's first birthday cake. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. So that's something. We get the exact same Gerald joke about the one eyebrow baby we just got in a previous yeah, episode. And you know what? It the, wasn't good the first time. Weirdly, not good the second time either. The first of two jokes in this episode that already happened in Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song. We'll get to the other one later. Oh, shit. I think yeah. I missed the other, other one. Weird little thing. A lot of, um... This episode... It's one of those episodes you watch as a kid and it's about the old people on the show so you don't really give a shit. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm an old person, 31, I watch the show Yes, and uh, I can see the appeal to it. I think this is a really interesting one with some really nice stuff in it. Sure. There's an overhead shot of the table where we start in like Maggie's room and the camera sort of, uh, you know, it tracks down through the floor and we have an overhead shot of the table with the family around it yep. and we see the candle at the birthday cake uh, go out mid-conversation and it's really nice and I mm. like it and it's good. It's, it's good, Nick. Yes, yes, yes. Why won't yes, you yes. listen to me? It's good. I'm listening to you. Okay. I'm also writing <laughs> Smeckler's Powder in cursive all over my book, but I am listening to you. Wow, you have really... You know, this book, if anyone ever, like, discovered it, <laughs> if anyone just came across it, like, if you were ever being investigated by the police and they find this book... I have to burn these books. Especially when it has things like bridge cut, laugh, knees bent Japanese. <laughs> that is the ramblings of a serial killer for sure. Yeah. And then I've just done, you know, flicking back, I've done a, the song by song review of Revolver. <laughs> MC Fuck. Someone you should never get to host your wedding. Raisin Roundies Circled. <laughs> anyway. Enough of enough of previous enough of Nick's best of. Um uh you know what? The Barton Lisa singing the Armour Hot Dog song. Yep. Not a fan of that, but I love it for the setup of going into the Chicken Tonight song. Yeah, that I was really... a very Australian thing as well, Chicken Tonight. Yeah, those, those ads definitely got to run. I think gathering to sing commercial jingles is a very 90s concept as well. Yes, that's true. I feel like jingles were big back then. These days, you know, the jingles that I remember are the ones from the 90s. Yeah. I remember all the phone numbers. Oh, right. One three Mobile bonus. will come to you, 133032. Pizza Hut deliveries, 13166. Pizza Hut delivery. I need a taxi to my door. I try to think who shall I call. I want the one I had before, 13227. Yeah. And then, uh, what, Pizza Haven was 13124? Yes. Um, what were the others? Jenny was 8675309. <laughs> sure. Sydney's 2000. <laughs> Clapham Gardens, 5039. Did you ever see the sketch on the Australian show, The Late Show, centred around Chicken Tonight? 
Oh, where they... Iguana Tonight? No, Dickhead Tonight. Oh, Dickhead Tonight. That's even better. <laughs> I feel like... Yeah, it was basically the song, but Dickhead yeah. Tonight, and they'd all get up and just dance like dickheads, and that was the joke. Yeah. Hey, Mom, can we have Dickhead Tonight tomorrow? <laughs> Genius. It was fucking great. Oh, Australian comedy. The Late Show. What a perfect show. Was that a McAuliffe one? No, he was oh. on uh, Full Frontal. Yeah, okay. The Late Show was like Rob Stitch and the D-Generation, oh, mostly. The, wor- the Working Dog people. Yes. Yep. And like uh, Tony Martin, Mick Malloy. Oh yeah, Martin Malloy. Yes, exactly. Eat your peas. That's a biggin. Oh, core blow me. That's a biggin. Oh, Dave Cullen. When did you get here? <laughs> oh, here I am. Ooh. This will be a treat. Dave Cullen. Here I am. While you eat. <laughs> um, Hal Roach Apartments. Oh, yeah. have, have I talked about my love of Hal Roach before? No. Hal Roach is a very, very old school Irish comedian. <laughs> like. The kind of comedian before... Uh, this is your exact fucking wheelhouse. I know. <laughs> Old fuck Irish comedian. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of comedian before alternative comedy came along in the 80s. Sure. So in the 80s, there was a big shift in stand-up and it went from like little jokey jokes that, to be honest... All the jokes that Hal Roach does, they're all just old jokes that could be attributed to Anon if you wanted to. Sure. Um, whereas Anon Said, serial <laughs> Rabbi has memo. Yes. And then you end up with, uh, you know, people like uh, Eddie Izzard and, and Billy Connolly coming along, who yep. who do the more long form story stuff, which is more to do with them. But the Hal, at one point when I was a kid, uh, these Hal Roach cassettes came into my life. Um, I don't even remember where exactly they came from. And by the end of it, I could quote about six hours of this guy's comedy. And they're all like, some of them are really stupid. Some of them make me laugh uh, a lot. Sure. Um, I'm now thinking for this bit, for this conversation to pay off, I probably have to find a bit of Hal Roach on YouTube. Did you ever get like so into it that you started getting into Papa Roach as well? <laughs> Very Papa. funny. Uh, that I'd love to hear Hal Roach do uh, Papa Roach. <laughs> Uh, Murphy cut his life into pieces for it was his last resort <laughs> great um, uh, hang on let me you're looking up Hal Roach looking up a little bit of Hal Roach I'm just going to go find like something that I might recognise sure thing he said what's new the other fellow said there's good news and there's bad news he said what's the bad oh. Two fellas in a pub in Belfast talking, and one said to the other, he said, what's new? The other fellow said, there's good news and there's bad news. He said, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is that the English have landed on the moon. He said, what's the good news? He said, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) See, the joke there is that the Irish people don't like the English people. (laughs) Ah, he's so Irish. (laughs) Um, oh, hang on, I've, I've got a, a ridiculous joke in my memory bank, which is quite short. Cause the sure, problem, good. The good. problem is, a lot of the ones I remember of him are very long jokes, but um, uh, uh, most of his jokes started with things like, Murphy was a taxi driver in Dublin, and he had two nuns in the back of his taxi cab one day, and he heard them discussing who they thought were the greatest lovers in the world. And one of them said, no, I think cowboys are the greatest lovers in the world. The other one said, no, 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 you're wrong. I've been all around the world. I've been with all types of men. Doesn't work, by the way, that he set them up as being fucking nuns. But anyway, and I think the greatest lovers are the Jewish men. And they turned to the taxi driver and said, what's your name? And Murphy said, 
Hop along, Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, the jokes are weird. Well, I saw, you know, the setup's there. I'm like, oh, the taxi driver's going to try to fuck them. He's going to try and fuck the nuns. Yeah. Uh, 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 do I have any other short jokes? Um, I went to the dentist the other day and said, my teeth are too yellow. What shall I do to fix it? And the dentist said, wear a brown tie. They'll look whiter by comparison. Oh, okay. I bought a new house, and uh, tell you what, the build quality's not what it used to be. Uh, the walls in my new house are so thin. The other day I opened my oven and saw my neighbour dipping his chips in my gravy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm enjoying more. Reciting these jokes that I've known for 20 years, or getting nothing from you. I'm actually, I'm enjoying how flat they're falling. Um, Your favourite jokes as an 11-year-old? <laughs> exactly. I'm um, quite as good. <laughs> Uh, I came home the other day to find my wife's car in the living room. Right, you get me? In the living room. I turned to her and said, How on earth did you get the car in the living room? And she said, Oh, it's easy. You take a right turn coming out of the kitchen. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. All right, that's enough of how (laughs) how Roach Apartments. Ah, fuck. (laughs) I wouldn't mind living in Howard Apartments if, like in North Georgia, was 1984, where there's the screen in the corner of the room that's always broadcasting that you can't turn off. Except it's just the four Howard CDs on constant rotation while I lie in bed going, Murphy went to the Olympics and all this other stuff. I like your old 1984 pull there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marge trying to hook her mum up with Abe is an interesting thing to make an episode about yeah it's like it's an odd little thing but it's also kind of nice and it's like weirdly adult and complicated in a way that you know the simpsons could do yes at I, this time yes, totally. and it's nice and i like it it's good nick it's, it's quite good yeah um i want to know why abe just didn't um you know hallucinate another girlfriend like he did with b yeah. b who never existed yeah he could have c next oh and then d no either that's ed I think four is enough. Abe wants to get that D. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a character twist I didn't see coming. <laughs> the, uh, he does that little chaplain dance with the potatoes. That's nice. That's pleasant. I don't know the source material for that. Some sort of chaplain nonsense. I don't know. Yeah, I assume it is some sort of chaplain nonsense. Charlie Chaplin potato. Again, this isn't going to work on a uh, podcast, but I just want to know. Oh, it's legitimately like a... Okay, it's like a scene-for-scene recreation, essentially. Um, You're showing me a silent film right now. <laughs> yeah, ha- haggard this. On, yeah. A, on a podcast, I'm showing you a silent film. Oh, that's quite funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't He's really doing work. He's a little dance. Um, I didn't realise how much eye makeup Charlie Chaplin wore. That's a consi- you wear a heap. That's a considerable amount of eyeliner and, uh, and eyeshadow. I wrote down a full line that Abe says here, where he says to Jacqueline, You remind me of a poem I can't remember, and a song that may have never existed, and a place I'm not sure I've ever been to. And under that I wrote, does this episode rule? Is this a really good episode? I've always thought that line is delightful. It's genuinely wonderful. It is It is uh, heart-wrenchingly wistful. Yeah. Mm. And it's just so, like, it's so romantic, and it, like, you know... Well, I'm dying, but this is how I feel about you. You yes. know, like, uh, I'm losing track of my life experiences, but I can tell how important you are to me immediately. What a nice line. Yeah. It's it's good, Nick. The modern equivalent of that would be like, I don't know where I parked my car, <laughs> but I like your face. Yeah, but I would like you in the backseat of it. Oh, okay. Yes. 
Alright, well, I feel yeah. like you've come on a little strong. Yeah, that's, that's how I roll, baby. I'm very excited for my next note, but I don't think I'm quite ready for it yet. I think you still have a little bit to go. There's a there's a whole subplot in here about bar, buying an animation cell. Ooh, we're closer than I thought. Ooh. Uh, I like the whole scene of everyone coming to the door and punching Bart. I like seeing Bart get punched in the face. Yeah, to me, I, that's real comedy. You know? I don't like seeing Bart choked, but I like seeing Bart punched. Yeah. Did I tell you it's about a bit of low stakes boy punching? <laughs> a friend recently asked me about buying a Simpsons cell and whether I thought it was worth it. Like, which one out of these do you think would be good? Sure. And I feel like this particular episode is telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away. Stay away. Not worth it. Can't be dealing. Unless it's, and this is related to my next note, Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss makes a return. Yeah. I'm so glad I bothered Googling him to find out who what his deal is. Because now Which, I know. Actually, now come to think of it, that means there are three reoccurring motifs, at least from Sweet Seymour Skinner's badass song. That's a very good point. Yeah. Because uh, now I know that his catchphrase is Exit, Strange Left. <sighs> I haven't heard Snagglepuss's voice for a long time. I don't know if I'm getting that anywhere near accurate. But it's I think been it's, a while since I've snaggled. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's probably good enough. I mean, it's good enough for my purposes. Yeah. Whatever this is. I like uh, Abe's description of kissing like a mule eating an apple. That's, you know, that's good. That's yeah. how you do it. Uh, I like the description. This is I didn't, how we do it. I didn't like the act out. The act out felt really weird to me, where he just goes, <laughs> and just like waggles his tongue into nothingness. That's not how you do it. That's how I do it. I just found the act out a little confronting. I'm also not sure in what world Homer, a grown man, is giving dating advice to his father, an even growner man. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. like Abe's been around the block. That's why Homer's here. Oh, Nick, if you want my advice and you want to get kissed, you got to act real smooth, make you move like this. Ugh, God, my bones. Why is your hand on my shoulder? <laughs> what, you don't want to kiss me right now? I mean, maybe. No, I'm not into it. Snagglepuss. You ruined the moment. Uh, when Bart holds up Mr. Beans with the ketchup and the mustard gun. The catsup gun. Catsup gun. And says, you have to pay me 350 bucks or I'm going to squirt you with condiments. Yep, you've jumped forward quite a bit here, but that's okay. Fuck, have I? Do you, yes. want, me to, do you want me to retract? No, just do it. It's fine. Mm. People know this episode. I kind of don't know why Bart sprays him with the mustard and Mr. Burns gives him 350 bucks anyway. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, well, he's going to fuck it up even worse. I guess, but the damage is done. Mm. At that point, you're like, all right, well, I have to go, I have to go sort out my jacket anyway. Now, if we jump uh, all the way back to when they actually meet earlier in the episode, <laughs> when uh, Burns and Jacqueline meet, uh, there's an implication in this episode that Mr. Burns is fucking a lot. He yeah, fucking. He fucking. When he says uh, 130 women have turned him down over the course of his life, which is too specific a number, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not great number work on that joke, but he also says only one woman has said no to him since he became a billionaire. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like he's going out there. He's like, you know, doing his moves. He's uh, trying it on. Seems like he's been a billionaire for a while now. He's fucking a lot. I'm sure that he's breaking his hip mm. every other week because he's fragile, Nick. He's a fragile old man. Yeah. See, that, that's something also that I'm not 100% sure about, is how agile he is in the dancing, given how weak he is at every other point. Yeah, like two part of the Simpsons' elastic universe. Two episodes ago, we see him nearly die because a sponge is on his head. Yeah, um, and even in this episode, we see him bend on one knee and it breaks. Breaks. His, yeah. p- his patella is broken. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's all a bit strange. He fucking, though. It seems to be. 
He fucking. When he goes to when he goes to get Jacqueline for the date, why is he collecting her from the Simpsons house? Surely she has her own home. Yeah, good question. Uh, well, she lives in Hal Roach Apartments. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe she wanted Marge's assistance in getting ready. I, f- I just oh, feel, I hope not. I just feel like everyone's making far too big a deal about a date between these two living fossils. Yeah. Like, who cares? Which escalates into marriage very quickly. Very quickly. Well, poor Grandpapa Simpson is off, you know, in the wind. Heartbroken. Grandpapa? Grandpapa? Papa? What was that meant to indicate? I just made a tiny <laughs> little noise. I don't know. I'm getting to that fidgety stage. Of yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, so I want to I want to signpost the third thing Please. taken from Sweet Seamless Skin is Badass Song in this episode. Yes. When Bernsey and Jacqueline go to Luigi's to get a meal, oh. it's the exact same joke of him saying he's going to get them something nice and then going into the kitchen and shouting about her being a withered old zombie and he, whatever, like a crusty fuck or whatever he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it goes from I'm going to get you the nicest wine to crack out the hooch for the... Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, Weird. I mean, I don't mind that one so much as a recurring motif because it's not as... I mean, it is the same joke, which is just like Gerald being the same joke whenever Gerald trots past. Yeah, I don't know. Complicated feelings on this one, Jack. Complicated feelings. I think my weird take on this episode is if the entire thing had been about Abe and Jacqueline trying to navigate what it meant to be in a relationship when they are children and married to each other, mm. I think I would have really liked this episode. Yeah. As it is, I like it a lot. It's a classic Simpsons episode. It's very good. Mm. I wouldn't say it fucks, though, and it could have fucked. You know, it could have been right up there in the rafters. It really could have. It could have really gone into retroactive incest territory. Sure. Could have Mm. been a very interesting topic to explore. Mm. Because this is like a legitimate like grey area, I think, to explore in an episode. Grey because it deals with two old people? Sure. All right. It's dealing with both of their grey areas. (sighs) Is yours grey? Mine is. uh. (laughs) It's meant to be, I don't know. Um, I enjoy that the Venus wedding dress shop has a sign that says not affiliated with the planet Venus. Yeah, that is good. Very, very funny. Yes. To me, Nick. You're Nick. One host. Are you Nick? Of this podcast. And who is Bart? Called Pods in the Key of Springfield. Here's the little boyman. Ah, the boyman. Jake Boyman. Jake Boyman. (laughs) Good. Okay. Uh, I can feel the Angie just draining out of us. Ah. (laughs) That's okay. We got this. Yeah. We're going to keep it up for you, the listener, our beloved listener. You are our children, our dear children. We carry you in our hearts, and we will love you to the day we die. So, uh, we get the classic abrupt television wedding, where two characters who have met within the space of an episode are now going to get married to each Mm -hmm. other. And it's going to be Bernsey, it's going to be Jacqueline, they're going to get married. It's going to be like that episode of Seinfeld where Mickey marries that woman. Yep. And uh, we get the marriage ceremony... And Marge is very unhappy. She keeps, you know, shoving her mum and saying, I'm Marge and I don't like your new husband. And uh, there's a scene here where Lovejoy is going on and on. Yes. And Burns tells him to speed up and get to the bloody point. Yes. And I would like to say, hashtag Burns was right. I'm on Burns' side on this one. I'm on Burns' side. Especially because Lovejoy appears to be reading something that's very Old Testament-y. And no one wants to hear things that are Old Testament-y. I don't like it when he's kicking Bart around, although, as established, I do like when Bart gets punched, so maybe she just beaten him in the face, you know? I, I think the difference is, though, I think there's a genuine difference between uh, postal workers and hired goons punching versus... Goons. Ver- versus hired goons. the most powerful man in town. Yes. I think there's a genuine difference there. Most powerful slash weakest. Ooh. Oh. 
Um, most economically, most economically powerful. <laughs> yes, sure. Mm. Uh, have you ever seen The Graduate? No, but I really want to because I'm a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan, and they soundtracked it. So, huh, well, maybe we should work that into a Twenty Two Flames offer about or tangentially related, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Springfield. <laughs> yes. yes, I've seen it. It's good. I'd be happy. I mean, with Dustin that. Hoffman's a bit of a dickhead, but you know, whatever. It's- is I that, mean, not whatever. I mean, is, is it, that, it matters. But is that specifically related to the film, or is that just Dustin Hoffman's the main character? Yeah, well, I know that, but yeah. you mean in the film? Is uh, no, like in real life, Dustin Hoffman's done some shit. Oh, it does yeah. some shit. Yeah. So you know, that's just that's a thing to contend with. But The Graduate is a movie. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. The Graduate is a movie. Well, you haven't seen The Graduate. Have you at least seen Spider Man Two then? Has a similar ending. Fuck, actually, I might have seen Spider-Man 2. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. One of my favourite yellow oh, card... Oh, no, I've seen two Spider-Men. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite yellow card songs is on the soundtrack to Spider-Man 2. That's why it feels familiar to me. Ah, which one? A song called Gifts and Curses. Okay. See your face with every punch I take and every bone I break. It's all for you. It's one of those funny ones where a pop-punk band was specifically requested to do a song for a movie soundtrack... But when I first heard the song, I didn't realise that because this was in the days of LimeWire. So I just thought, oh, a new yellow card song. Cool. And then in the middle, I'm like, why is there a two-minute-long theatric... Like, a, a, a two-minute-long instrumental breakdown that just has a really slow, theatrical, climactic build to it? Why is there so much web thwipping in this song? <laughs> and then, oh, but... Oh, someone was talking the other day about... Um, do you know the Green Day song, Brain Stew? The only Green Day song I know is they cover the Simpsons theme. Yeah, fair enough. But there was a, so they had a song "Brains Do" that on was on the Ju- Jurassic Park Two soundtrack. No, the sorry, World. no, it was Godzilla soundtrack. Ooh, and the, like the role in Emmerich nineties Godzilla. Yes, I okay. think I think so. I think so because Brains Do was about ninety three, ninety four. Does that match up roughly? Uh, Godzilla came out in 97, I want to say. Yeah. Maybe 98. Because the, what they did, they put this song on the soundtrack, but they had a version where they'd remixed in Godzilla sound effects over <laughs> the top of it. Oh, and that so, sounds like that movie. Yeah, and so when the guitar's going like... It's very funny. Spider-Man 3, the Flaming Lips wrote a song for that movie... That is not in the movie. It's just on the soundtrack. But it's about Spider-Man fighting Muhammad Ali. It's what? a very weird song. Oh, trust the flaming lips to be weird. Yeah. Honesty can kill the Spider-Man. Muhammad Ali feels the same. Honesty can give you power and I feel it. Call my name. Don't call me baby. <laughs> Alright. The first round... What is it? The first bell goes. We go to blows. I'm the Spider-Man but nobody knows. It's a weird song. I oh. like it though. It's good. Yeah, okay. It's kitschy. Kitchy. Kitchy. Kitchy, kitchy, ya, ya, ga, ga. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so yeah, this is a good episode, and I like it. Yes. Nick. Yes. Do you know how to perform Sound of Silence on a guitar? <sighs> I've <laughs> never played it before, but I literally have the tab on my screen ready to go. Of so <laughs> I'm going to go grab the guitar. Okay, I'll do the little wrap-up thing. I, I, I... I really want the listeners to know that when I do these things, it's genuinely the first time I'm playing some of these songs. <laughs> so this has been Pods in the Key of Springfield, a podcast on the A Lot of Green Network. I have been James, he's been Nick. Uh, we are on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can find us easily enough. 
you can email us at podsinthekeyofspringfield at gmail.com. And I am looking at the lyrics to Sound of Silence right now on my phone, my cellular telephone. Uh, yeah, if you want to rate us on iTunes, that would be good. If you don't, that's also fine, you know? I can't make you do anything. I'm only one man. Wooza Wuzzle. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. The strumming pattern's not right. I just haven't learned that yet. Because a vision softly creeping left its scenes while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Beneath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed By the flash of a neon light That split the night Doing that over the A minor gave it a really weird fucking. <laughs> I was going to suggest changing it to uh, Within the Pods of Springfield. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I don't yeah. think it's worth doing now. No, nah, I'm doing it. Okay. Uh, um, and the vision that was planted in my brain. I like a good furfy. I wouldn't say that I love furfy. I would say that I'm in love with it, though. Uh, yeah, furfy's alright. Oh, where's yeah. my book? You left it in the kitchen. I left it. I will fetch it. On the cotchin. On the cotchin. I left it in Trent Cotchin. Who is Trent Cotchin? He's a, a AFL player for Richmond. Okay, there was really no hope of me knowing who that was. No. Uh, Trent Cotchin looks a little bit like my friend Michael. And who's your friend Michael? You know Michael. Oh, do I? I'm not using surnames. Oh, like, uh, like Michael Michael? Yeah, drummer. Oh, that Michael. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not... I thought you meant back in the day, Michael. No, 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 not back in the day, Michael. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, this is one of those things where you pull up a photo and then immediately go, mm, doesn't look at... This guy doesn't look anything like... <laughs> no, he looks like the other Michael. He, he doesn't look like that Michael either. No. Um, Does he look like any of the Michaels oh, that I know? See, he's got a bit of the... No. No, no, <laughs> he right. doesn't look like him at all. Nothing at all. I mean, they both have a face, and that's yeah. pretty much where the similarity ends. According to the weather, it's still 38 degrees outside. Fuck. 38F in... Uh, no, I want to do 38C in F. See, this is why I might decide to like leave your house. It's extremely low. 
100 Fahrenheit for anyone listening from America at 6.30 in the evening. Not only because it's hot as fuck, but there is a giant race happening next to my house at the moment. There's a fucking cavalry of race cars just zooming and zipping. I thought it was a race of giants. I mean, they're there as well. All the giants racing against each other. (laughs) Fee-fi-fo-fum. I'm gonna win this race I done. <laughs> sure. See, that's why I just didn't do a second line. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Fee five four farm counts as the joke. Second li- oh, I was thinking the other day um, uh, of doing like a bunch of parody songs, but keeping them to the length that parody songs should be, which is <laughs> about 30 seconds. Shorter than that. Do the one good joke you've got and then stop. <laughs> you did that back in the day. I remember when we were in high school... I remember you telling someone that you would come up with a parody version of uh, Shakira's Underneath Your Clothes that was about exporting drugs. And I believe the whole thing was, Underneath your clothes, there's a pound of cocaine. And that was all you had. Yeah. yeah, Like, there we go. That's it. That's all you need. Get the one joke done. Get out. I remember you saying that to someone and them laughing. It's like, that's really bad. And me being there just overhearing thinking, no, it's not. (laughs) It's it's a perfectly acceptable joke for a Um, 15-year-old. Uh, what was it? Because I had one the oh uh, the other the one I had the other day was I came up with a bunch of um, punk rock Beatles um, parodies. <laughs> sure, and they were all just things like "Hey, dude, big shorts are rad," and then end of song. You don't need anything else. Just do that line and then fuck off. That is, I mean, a joke very close to that is in the trailer for yesterday. <laughs> oh, the really? upcoming Beast, uh, Beatles movie that will now be mentioned three episodes in a row. In a row, where but, uh, what's his face? Um. Who's that weird-looking dude who's like makes every song now? He's like the ginger guy, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, he's like, I got a, I got a note for you. Instead of Hey Jude, how about Hey Dude? <laughs> hey Dude. Oh right, okay. And that's the joke. Um, let me just quickly check to see if I had any other ones that are worth repeating on the pod. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another uh, punk rock Beatles. I'm fixing a hole with a safety pin. <laughs> punk rock readers. End. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. You don't need any other joke. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby picks up a friend from the mosh who just fell to the floor. Young, angry, poor. That's it. Sure. And the thing that shits me is that anyone who was a musical comedian would stretch that out to three and a half minutes, which yeah. is A, longer than the song, and B, not at all necessary. Just do that's the one joke. Yeah, you got on. the chorus. That's all you need. I think we've maybe groused about this very specific thing. Groused. Um, yeah, we've groused. Have we? I think so. I didn't know that was a verb. I, th- I think it is. I've never been. I've never been known to consciously grouse. <laughs> I've heard things. People. I've heard people say that's grouse. I didn't realize that it was. Well, to grouse is like to grumble. Is right. Is it transitive or intransitive? I don't fucking know. Okay. <laughs> 